So, uh, if you're new with us, we're in a series called Peace of Mind. We're talking about mental health. If you've missed some, and go back and listen to those. Um, actually, my daughter surprised me and said she listened to the first one in the series, and she appreciated it. So, that was cool. Uh, today's topic is silence your negative thoughts. Now, start off with a question. What do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? And we all talk to ourselves all the time don't we? Now, I'm not talking about simple things like I need to remember this when I go upstairs or whatever. I usually forget when I get up there, but anyway. Laura, what do you say about your condition, about what you're thinking, what you're feeling? Uh, Most of us can get caught up in what's called a negative loop. So we get this negative thought about our lives or our situation or our health or something, and it just, we think it over and over again, you know, especially if we've like made a mistake. Made a mistake, I'm just a loser, I can't do anything right. Uh, and we just have this loop going on our minds. Now, we're going to talk about what you think matters more than you even can imagine or think. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom in the Old Testament that says this, depending on your translation, guard your heart. Some says guard your mind. Translators say it basically says guard your heart and mind. Guard your feelings, your emotions, and guard your Thoughts above all else. So he's saying this is primary importance, right? To guard your heart and your mind. Why is it so important? Because it determines the course of your life. Your thoughts and feelings determine the course of your life. So consequently, you and I need to make boundaries, for a better word, boundaries on our feelings and boundaries on our thoughts and decide I'm not going to go there or I'm not going to continue to go there. There's a simple law called the law of cognition, (laughs) and I could give you a definition, but I think this is easier for me anyway to understand what it is. So our thoughts, what we think, determine what we believe. If I think I'm a loser, you know, I keep thinking I'm a loser, I'm going to believe I'm a loser. If I think I'm, you know, I'm a child of the king, I'm a prince or princess of God, I'm going to begin to believe that, all right? So what I think, I begin to believe, and when I believe things, then I start to feel things, right? Think I'm a loser, start feeling like a loser. If I think I'm a child of God, I'm going to start feeling like a child of God. So consequently, then it, it affects your actions, right? So that's why this is so important. And this is a statement we've used in this series before. Your life is always moving in the direction of what? Your strongest thoughts. So, yeah, I'm a child of God. God's got this. My life's going to go in that direction. If I'm thinking negative thoughts, my life is going to go in that direction. Uh, A pastor and author wrote this, and this just made so much common sense to me. (laughs) No one is more influential in your life than you. Why? Because no one talks to you more than you. (laughs) You talk to yourself all the time, don't you? So you're the most influential person in your life. Now, the problem with our culture is we have chronic negativity. We just went through uh, election. I guess they're not even finished yet, right? Just so much negativity, one side against the other. And it it just permeates our culture, doesn't it? Facebook and and these other things. And consequently, it is poisoning our minds. It's poisoning our mental health. It's not just a mental health issue. It's a spiritual issue, as we're going to look at this morning. Now, a truth that I'm going to repeat in this message this morning is this. Your thoughts have incredible power. 
They just do. But here's the part we miss. You have incredible power over your thoughts. You do. You don't have to be a victim or a captive to your thoughts. You can choose to change your thoughts and what you're thinking. So Paul, Paul describes it in, in kind of a religious or spiritual terms. He says it this way. For those who live according to the flesh, that doesn't mean in your body. It means your sinful nature. We all have a good side and a bad side. We, good thoughts and bad thoughts, sinful thoughts or spiritual thoughts, right? He said, but if you live according to those negative or spiritual, uh, 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 negative spiritual thoughts, your outlook is shaped by those thoughts. The way you think and the way you consequently act are shaped by those thoughts. But, choice, those who live according to the Spirit have the outlook on life shaped by the things of the Spirit. So, we all have a choice. I can choose what part of thy thoughts I choose to dwell on and affect my outlook. One more verse in his, in his, his writing here. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, leads to dying, it leads to killing. It's nothing positive. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. There's our word, peace of mind. Leads to life and peace. <clears throat> so, you don't need to go so fast. That's all right. <laughs> so, um, what are you going to let control? You, you choose. I choose what will control my mind. So this morning I want to look at this from three aspects. First, I want to look at how it's hurting us, actually killing us, killing our, our thought life is killing our relationships in particular. Then I want to help you identify one of four major areas of negativity so we can attack that area and then see how, can, how we might change. So why is ne negativity so toxic? Why is it so dangerous? Why is it so harmful? Because we are not, not built that way, but we tend to have what's called a negativity bias. All right? It's just part of who we are. And so consequently, our negative events imprint our brains more quickly and linger longer than positive ones do. It's easy to to illustrate. For example, you watch the news. They say if it bleeds, it leads. The first thing on the news is usually something, what, negative. In fact, most of the news is negative. And sometimes it's a feel-good story. So you watch the news or listen to the news for a half hour, 90% negative, one thing positive. What will you remember when you go to bed? You say it just before you go to bed at night. All the negativity, right? Because you have a negative, negative bias. Even more dramatic is this. If you get to speak like I do, give a presentation. I didn't ask my son how his presentation went this week. <laughs> I had a son that did that this week, got up and talked. Doesn't usually do that. Um, you got this project at work you do, and so then you get feedback, right? And so this person, oh, that was great. It was wonderful. It really helped me. You know, six, seven, eight people tell you this. And one person said, eh, that was lousy. I can guarantee you what you're going to think about later. Which one are you going to think about later? You're going to think about that one over the eight, nine, ten that were positive, right? That's our negativity bias. If you post something on Facebook, 
oh, I love that, it was helpful. One person said, you know, that was terrible. What are you going to remember? Because we want everybody to like us, right? And so we tend to have a negativity bias. Somebody described it this way, and I thought this was really powerful. They said it's like having, well, let me back up. We have this fight or flight thing built into us, right? It's a good thing because you, you get this extra flow of adrenaline to either fight or flight. But when we live this way, chronic negativity, it's like having constant fight or flight. It's like feeling you're always in danger, 24-7. Can you imagine that? How's that going to affect your mind and your life? And so eventually, negativity becomes a habit. We talked about what we think, when we think something once, it's easier to think about it a second time. We're getting this into this rut in our brain, neural pathways. And so it becomes easier or it becomes a habit. So our negativity builds on our negativity. And so we begin to think with these all-inclusive words, I'm never going to be happy, I'm never going to find the right person. Uh, I'm always going to be unhappy. I'm never going to have enough money. Uh, I'm never going to be healthy. Uh, I'm never going to lose weight. I'm always going to be whatever, okay? And a lot of this, imp uh, a lot of what impacts this is what we consume. Whether it's media, Facebook, TV, whatever, uh, music. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of secular music, but evidently there's a lot of negative music out there. Um, people you hang out with, who you eat lunch with. <laughs> um, if you spend a lot of time with negative people, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to be a negative person, right? It becomes a habit. And again, your thoughts have incredible power. They have incredible power of the direction of your life. But the good news, you got good news, is you have incredible power over where your thoughts take you. So there can, negative thoughts are very harmful, can even kill, kill relationships. So let's try and identify your negative vent, if you will. All right? Someone said if you can't define it, you can't defeat it. So let's try and figure out. I'm going to give you four categories. Some expert came up with these, not me, and see if you can find your negative bias. Um, hopefully not more than one, but we tend to do more than one of these. First one's relational cynicism. That means you don't trust anybody. You don't be, believe anybody can be trusted. You believe anything that good that they might do for you. They have ulterior motives. Um, can't trust anybody. So that might be your bias. Negative filtering, that's always seeing the negative side of things. Those of us have kids or even grandkids now that are out driving and they're supposed to be home at curfew time and curfew's past and they're not home. And your first thing you think is what? Oh, they've had an accident and they're hurt or maybe they've died. And they probably have done this more than once and every other time, did they have an accident and die? No. But that's your negative bias, right? You always go to the worst side of things. You go on vacation, and no vacation is perfect. So you come back thinking, well, what do you think about? Most of it went great, but there was just, you know, something negative, And that's all you can think about. People do it with churches. 
They go to church, oh, that was good, and that was good, and good. But the preacher was lousy, so I'm not going back there. Yeah, negative bias, uh, negative filtering. Then there's the absolute thinking. We talked about that a little bit already. That's an all or nothing, everything. Everybody, uh, everybody, uh, well, guys usually do. All women are terrible drivers, <laughs> or women. All guys are terrible drivers. Uh, <clears throat> all or nothing thinking. All, all Republicans can't be trusted, or all Democrats can't be, th be trusted. So that's absolute thinking. And then there's blaming. This is a victim mentality where you, th you blame somebody else for whatever's going on in your life. So maybe you can pick one of those that tend to be your negative biased. <clears throat> so the next question is, can you change it? And if you're old like me, you may have been doing this for a long time, right? Can you change? Now, the answer is yes, but it's also, it's not easy, obviously, or we'd all have done it already, right? Again, but your thoughts are more powerful than you and I can even imagine. I said this over and over again. And you have more power over these thoughts, bring it up, than... You think you do, all right? That's the important part. You have more power over your thoughts than you think you do, all right? Will you stick with me for a few minutes here? So how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, I'm going to look at a, a, a story from the Old Testament about a guy named David. He eventually became king, but he kind of had an up-and-down life before that. I'm going to do a, a story probably that's not familiar to most people. Uh, at this point in his life, he, he's on the run from King Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He's been anointed the next king. And so if you're the king, you don't like the guy that's going to take over for you. And so anyway, he's, he's out, outside of the country living, the Philistines. And he's acting like he's friends of theirs and enemies of the Israelites. And so they're going to have this battle. And so David's there with his men, ready to help the Philistines and some other enemies of Israel fight them. So the one king is all fine with it, but the other guy said, wait a minute, wait a minute. The other leader's saying, this, this guy's a, you know, he's an Israelite. He, he's going to turn on us in the middle of battle. We don't want him part of our, our battle, which was a great blessing to David. He didn't have to, have to continue to act like he was going to attack his, his own people. So... That's the situation. The other rulers decided to send him home and not let him fight on their side. So here's what happened. It takes him three days to get back home. When David and his men arrived home at, their, at the town of Ziklag, they found the Amalekites and had raided into the Negev. And we actually got to visit the Negev. That's pretty interesting. And Ziklag, I don't remember seeing that. It may not be there anymore. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else without killing anyone. So they got back home. Can you imagine? You got back home. Your, your house is destroyed and your family has been carried off. And your friends have been carried off. In this case, probably slaves have been carried off. Now, we know later none of them were killed. Now, maybe you've had a bad day. But you probably had a bad day like these people had. Right? And you would think, well, it can't get any worse than that, especially if you're David. Well, what happens? Well, first, everybody grieves, right? Natural to grieve. So when David and his men saw 
the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they couldn't weep no more. They just, their hearts were broken, obviously. All right, so then what happens? Well, interesting what Scripture says. David was now in great danger. Why was he in great danger? Because all the men were very bitter with losing their sons and daughters, which we could appreciate, right? And they began to talk about stoning him. So you're David now. Your wife and kids have been carried off. Everybody else's wife and kids have been carried off too. Your house home has been destroyed. And now what? Your men are against you. So what did he do? What did he do? Poor pitiful me? No, here's what he did. David found strength in the Lord his God. Back up, please. <laughs> yeah, found strength in the Lord his God. Some translations use the word, was encouraged in the Lord his God. Now, we don't know exactly what David was thinking or what he said exactly in this moment. But we have lots of other illustrations of what David's self-talk, if you want to call it that. So one would be in Psalm 103. It's on your outline. So David in this situation or situations like this, here's what he said to himself. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What was his self-talk? He began to worship. Almighty God, in the darkest of times, the negative, where negative thoughts would be easily entered, he started worshiping. Text goes on. Forget not all his benefits. What are the benefits? Well, he forgives all our sins and heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So this is what. David was telling himself. He was encouraged in the Lord. He found strength in the Lord. So easy for us to complain, isn't it? Boy, he had a lot to complain about in his men in this situation. But where does all this stuff come from? Your sins are forgiven. God's grace. God's grace. God's so gracious to us. He doesn't need to forgive any of us. Skipping down a couple of verses. David said this, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Does that verse sound familiar to any of you? It's interesting because David just didn't even write it down once. He wrote it down three times in the Psalms. So this was something he told himself multiple times. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Now, we have a word that we use in English called meditate. It's kind of what we're talking about, right? It's the same word can be translated ruminate. So, what I suggest to you is you act like a cow because cows ruminate. What does that mean? I'm not an expert, but it's what I understand. Cows chew, chew the grass and they swallow it which is kind of cool, but they throw it back up so they can chew it some more. That's kind of gross. I understand. Chew some more, swallow it, throw it back up, and chew it some more. Now, the question is why? Why does the cow do this? 
Well, from what I understand, it, it's because there was more nutrients in the grass that they didn't, they didn't get out the first time or even the second time. So they do it three times. So you and I don't need, shouldn't just meditate on God's Word one time. We need to ruminate on it. We need to say it over and over in our minds. <clears throat> Paul says it this way. I guess. Yeah, this is Romans 15. Get near the end of his letter and he says this. I pray that God the source of hope. You want to know where hope is? God's the source of hope. Will fill you completely with what? Joy and peace because you trust him. And we talked about last week when you and I worry, we're saying, God, I'm not trusting you. So here we're saying, we trust you. Joy and peace are a result of trust. Then you'll overflow with confident hope. There's hope and there's the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So ruminate on those things. And then it brought to mind, when I was thinking about this and studying, uh, another place where Paul wrote, in Romans, uh, Philippians chapter 4, we looked at this where it says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And then he says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. All right, here's one more thing. <laughs> fix your thoughts on. So you and I get to choose what we're going to fix our thoughts on, what we're going to focus on, what we're going to concentrate on, what we're going to meditate on, what we're going to ruminate on. You and I get to choose. So he's given us a suggested list. First, what is true? How much time do you and I waste on stuff that isn't even true? Fake news, we come, some, some of it's fake news, right? So fix your thoughts on what is true. Kids are late, grandkids are late getting back. Do we know what's happened? No. Fix your thoughts on what's true. What is honorable? What is right? Some things aren't right. Some things are wrong. Things are pure. I like this next one. Things that are lovely. Let's focus on things that are lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I like that word. Worthy of praise. If it's not something I can praise God about, don't fix my thoughts on that. We have this old term, uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? Simple concept. So what are we feeding ourselves? When it comes in, it goes out. So we want to be different. If we don't want to be negative, we have to change what goes in so what comes out is different. So I came across this suggestion. I thought this was good. It's called a neg negativity fast. Figure out where your negativity source is. Is it the internet? Is it Facebook? Is it YouTube? Is it TV? Is it, you know, the music you listen to? Is it the people you hang out with? Figure out what the source is and then say, okay, for a day or three days or a week, I'm going to fast from that. I'm not going to uh, submit myself to that. And choose to ruminate on something positive. So, depending on your bent, I came across some suggested things to ruminate on, again, depending on your negative bent. You can edit. There's nothing special about these. You can edit them, change them, 
whatever you'd like to do. All right? So I'm going to go through them, and then we'll be finished. So your negative bent is relational cynicism. All right? You don't, can't trust anybody. Everybody's out to get me, whatever it might be. But here's some suggested things to meditate on. With God's help, I will get rid of all my bitterness and skepticism. I'll choose to believe the best about others. And I will choose to be kind and compassionate. Choose the best, think the best about others. Well, that's a big, that's powerful, right? Believe the best about others. Be kind, compassionate. I will love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and forgiven me. That always helps me. Man, God's forgiven me everything. I can forgive that person, whatever it might be. Relational cynicism, because people have hurt you. Maybe people have betrayed you. Let it go. What if it's negative filtering? You always see, see the negative side of things. God, by your power, I will take every thought captive and make it obedient to the truth of Christ because you are good. God, you're good. So I choose to think on what's good, what's right, what's true, what's helpful and worthy of praise. Again, is it worthy of praise? As I trust in you, your peace will guard my heart, soul, and mind. Your peace will guard me. All right, negative filtering. Absolute thinking. Always and never. As Jesus loves and accepts me, I will love and accept others. Rather than always being right, I'm called to always be loving. That's powerful. Rather than just making a point, I choose to make a difference. Because often when you make a point, you don't make a difference. You make an enemy. In humility, I choose to love others above myself. And if you're blaming uh, victim mentality, here's a suggested meditation or rumination. God has given me a life and a mind of my own. By His grace, I will own my choices and choose God's best for me. I believe I've been given everything I need to accomplish everything God wants me to do. Today. Focus on today. In Christ, by His power and by His Spirit, I will overcome. So, I pray that you would take this seriously and spend some time doing that. Because, again, your thoughts have incredible power. And you have incredible power over your thoughts. So, I choose. You choose. Um, again, a Bible app, there's a lot of Bible plans. There's several titled Fighting Negative Thoughts. I picked one. Uh, there's actually um, video devotionals on this, this, this one, and there's a scripture connected with each of the five days. Um, let me know how these, these have been helping you. I could probably add these as a normal part of a, a message series. So let me pray with you. We'll have a final song, and it'll be time to eat, right? All right. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you to speak to us through music, through other people, through, through your word. And God, we thank you that you do not want us to be trapped in negativity. And there is a way to not be. And by your help and your spirit's help, we can control those thoughts. They don't need to control us. We don't need to be victim to our thoughts. We can set boundaries. And give us the wisdom and the power to 
to choose, to, to decide this is negative and I'm going to exclude this from my life. Even short term as a fast. And we might see the difference it will make in our life. So God, I pray for these folks. You know their hearts. We all have a negativity bias. Help us to focus on you and your word for your praise and your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.